Bellying up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar, my name is Craig Toth, your host of Minor League News and Brews, talking about everything around the Pirates minor league system and giving you some beer reviews at the end of the show. For those of you who are thinking this may be a reaction to the Andy Rodriguez season-ending injury slash surgery, the Rowdy Telez signing, the impending, it looks like, signing of Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Robbie no longer being on the broadcast, the RSN being signed, nope. This is just going to be a regular episode of Minor League News and Brews. Chris and I will get to all those topics and hopefully a little bit more in next week's episode of Bucks in the Basement. And I was kind of wondering exactly what I was going to talk about today just because as the offseason kind of trolls along, there isn't much going on in the minor league system. Yes, as some people may know, the Pirates did on this last day of uh, international free agent signings. They did make a signing, signing 25-year-old right-handed Cuban uh, and Manuel Chapman, no relation to Araldis Chapman. Uh, to a deal. I don't have a whole lot on him. I do know that he had defected from Cuba back in April, had seen some, I guess it would be back field uh, videos of him. Do know that he throws a, a pretty mean fastball coming in around like 93, topping out at, at 98, usually right around like 95. Not a whole lot, not a whole lot of stats on him. Didn't pitch that much uh, down in Cuba. So we'll kind of have to see how that works out. Was wondering what they were going to do with the money acquired from the Texas Rangers for Austin Hedges. Uh, part of that going in a trade uh, to the Yankees to get a, a minor league outfielder. And yes, that is a minor league deal. Uh, was a guy who, you know, had some promise at one point in time, had made it up to the Yankees organization, but didn't really make a whole lot of noise. But yeah, going to be talking about what are my votes of confidence and to kind of assist me in this. And it's votes of confidence because people have always asked me, like, you know, which which minor league players would would you trade? Which ones do you have, you know, the most confidence to succeed and kind of breaking it down. A lot of the times when I do this, if anybody hasn't. um sitting right here on my desk underneath all my papers i've read it countless times it is future value the battle for baseball soul and how teams will find the next superstar uh, that's from eric longenhagen at fangrass espn's kylie mcdaniel talking about future value and for those of you who aren't familiar with future value, 
Uh, this is going to be very informative for you. For those that are familiar with it, I mean, please bear with me. This is going to be a quick refresher course for all of you. And for future value, it does also go along that 2080 scouting scale. Um, but it's a little bit different uh, for hitters and for pitchers. A lot of times we've broken down players and given their grades uh, as far as, you know, the different types of pitches they throw for pitchers, uh, power, speed, hit tool, fielding for, uh, for the position players. So for this, the first thing is in the hitters. And a lot of times um, you may have heard Chris and I talk in terms of war and this kind of goes hand in hand when you look at those future values for players. So on the hitter end, a, a hitter with a future value of 20 would be seen as organization, organizational depth. And this would be those players that you may not even see make it up to the major leagues, but they're sitting down there almost as you know, the fire extinguisher break in case of emergency type of players. There's not really a war associated with them. The next value 30, uh, this would be like your quad A players. These are the guys that they usually put that are right at replacement level or more than likely slightly re below replacement level, the 0, 0.0 war. Uh, somebody who's given a 40 value, that's like your bench pieces. Those are the guys that are zero war to 0.7 war. Moving along to 45, that's a guy who would be uh, a low end regular player to like a platoon player. You're looking at a 0.8 war to about a 1.5 war for that type of player. On the Pirates, you know, Major League roster, I mean, the guy that kind of fits the bill, I mean, I guess it'd be like, it's not the the uh, the round uh, peg in a square hole or the square peg in a round hole. Um, the guy that would fit this most succinctly uh, would be a, a player like Connor Joe. A 50 on this scale is your average everyday player, uh, 1.6 uh, to 2.4. I always say when like looking at war for a position player, if a player's war, I usually use two for this, that player is more than likely good enough to be an everyday player on your roster. You don't, you know, necessarily want to have a bunch of two wars around the diamond. You want to have some guys that go above that, obviously. But if you have a guy that is right around a two war, that's a guy that could be an everyday player in the major leagues. 55 is your above average regular, and that goes from 2.5 war to 3.3 war. And then you get into uh, the real cream of the crop of the players, uh, the 60 future values, and that's your all-star level. A player that is uh, 3.4 war to 4.9 war really fits into those guys that you know could be elected to the all-star team and actually be deserving um, of that election to the all-star team. A 70-grade player, I mean, these are few and far between. These are like the top 
10 overall players. Uh, and that's going from like a five war player to a seven war player. And then the 80 future value, that's like a top five overall player. Those are the guys that are going for your MVP votes. That's anybody who's above seven war. Uh, looking at the Pirates minor league system as it stands right now until we get the updates for the 2024 season, which is something I'm sure we'll talk about here on minor league news and brews. The Pirates, uh, player who a position player who has the highest future value is Tarmar Johnson really no surprise there he is a 55 uh, future value and these values are kind of fluid it's not that if they're given this value it's the value that will stick with them you know throughout the minor leagues uh, we see, you know, discussions held on on X and Facebook and different stuff like that to see, you know, if a player could regress and, and get a lower future value, but more than likely if they would get that bump up higher. Uh, right now, you know, as it stands, Termar Johnson would fall in that above average regular. That's kind of the expectation for him, a 2.5 to 3.3 war player. And it's a pretty steep drop-off um, from Termar on the position side of things, um, especially when you look at how far, you know, most of these players are away from the major leagues. You have Jordani De Los Santos. He's a 45, you know, not above uh, low A. You have Tony Blanco Jr., a, a Dominican player, more than likely a Florida Complex League player next year at 40-plus. Um, Estar Suaro, he's a 40-plus. Um, you may remember him as being one of the acquisitions in the G-Man Choi uh, Rich Hill trade with the San Diego Padres, the quintessential lottery ticket type player, but does have you know some value at this point in time. Um, looking down to the 40s, another player that was acquired, um, this one would have been in the Carlos Santana trade with the Milwaukee Brewers, Hiani Severino. He is a 40 future value and those 40 guys right now are looking at being bench players like i said obviously player performs well you will see that future value go up and the last one on that 40 future value is mitch jeb uh, drafted by the pirates in the second round out of uh, michigan state we will see him hopefully in high a greensboro to begin the season uh, landed in Bradenton this year, the guy with the funky swing. But, I mean, looking back a few years, I mean, the Pirates definitely had uh, more players uh, on this list that would have been a lot higher. But with all of the graduations and debuts um, that occurred last year, players like Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, Leover Piguero. There is been a significant drop off in, you know, that depth um, with the position players specifically.
moving on to the pitchers and for pitchers, um, the, the war obviously is going to be a little bit different um, because there's not really, you know, bench players, but there could be relievers. Uh, and some of these guys, I mean, we won't see, you know, ranked as high. We all know who's going to be number one. But before we get to that, we'll go through the future value rankings. Uh, 20, once again, organizational depth. I. Uh, not really a guy that that you may see on your major league roster. Then you have those quad A players coming in at a 30 future value. Uh, usually a guy that comes up and, you know, at least has it registers some sort of war. A lot of the times it's like the negative war, but it'll be like a, you know, a 0 0.1, a 0 0.2, but, you know, not really something to be relied upon. Uh, the 40 future value is seen as like a back end starter. This would be probably like your, you know, six guy in your rotation, the swing men, possibly uh, that's a zero war to a 0.9 war. 45 is when you actually get into, you know, kind of the meat of your rotation, a four or a five. And this is guys that are from like one, to like 1.7 war uh, 50 future value that's like a, a solidified number four pushing up towards the three uh, but not you know enough to, to actually get to that point that's a 1.8 to 2.5 war the 55s are the definite threes and fours i uh, kind of like your middle of the rotation type of guys that's about a 2.6 to a 3.4. And then you have the, the 60 future value. That is your solidified number three guy. That's a 3.5 to 4.9 war. Uh, 70 future value moving up to the front end of the rotation. You're slotting in at about a number two. It's not going to be your number one guy, but definitely a very good major league pitcher. And that is you know, around a five to a seven war. And then at 80, you have the number ones, your prototypical aces. And that's a guy that would be, you know, up above a seven war. And so like, basically I'm thinking a lot of people are thinking that when I'm going to talk about my, our number one guy, we all know who the number one guy is. And right now his future value, Paul Skeens, a lot of people are going to be surprised that right now his future value sits at a, a 60. I mean, he did perform well at LSU, uh, but didn't get a lot of run uh, in professional baseball, topping out in in Double A Altoona. But really, you know, <laughs> a little bit over six innings, and that was it. But he's coming in at 60. You know, that right now would be projecting to be a number three a 3.5 to 4.9 war. That's it's a very, you know, safe place to put him. Uh, Quinn Priester coming in next on the list at a 50. We have a couple 45 uh, pluses, and those would be in the form of Mike Burrows and Baba Chandler. Now, Mike Burrows more than likely would have made his debut last year if it wasn't for the Tommy John surgery. Hopefully looking for him, you know, at some point, you know, during the middle of the season, 
but we'll see have to see how that turns out. Uh, Jared Jones, uh, the pitcher who is probably closest to making his debut, who hasn't made his debut yet, uh, coming in at 45. And just as a reminder right now, in the future value, that would be a 4 or a 5, a 1 to a 1.7 war. Uh, we also have Thomas Harrington and Anthony Solomedo also with a 45 uh, Thomas Harrington down a little bit lower. Should see him um, in Altoona this year to begin the season, I would think. Uh, but last year, um, I mean, a lot of people thought he would show up in Greensboro to begin the season and, and didn't. So, I mean, it could be giving him some, you know, a little bit of a runway to get started in Greensboro before that promotion. Uh, Solomito, I mean, definitely – you know, pitched a decent amount in in Altoona, wore out towards the end of the season, but I mean, I could see him also being in Altoona again, giving a little bit of that runway, getting a quick promotion to uh, to Indianapolis. But I mean, as you can see, there is a little bit more of a stack uh, of pitching prospects. Uh, some guys that are a little bit closer. Uh, we saw the hitting kind of ahead of the pitching. Uh, now we see the pitching being a little bit ahead of the hitting, even though a lot of the guys that were promoted to the majors last year are those hitters, those position players. So it's kind of hard to judge exactly who's ahead of who at this point. I think that Pirates fans are just hoping that at some point it all catches up together and, you know, brings us a competitive team in Pittsburgh. Before I get to my votes of confidence uh, for this episode of Minor League News and Brews, just wanted to give everybody a little bit of history. I went back and looked at the top 100 prospects according to Fangraphs going the whole way back to 2017. At that point in time, Yoan Moncada was the number one prospect in baseball. He had a 70 future value. To this point in his career, Yoan Moncada has accumulated 14.8 war, an average of 2.42 war per season. So that really would not live up to that, you know, 70 future value. And the number five prospect this year, a guy who, I mean, I loved, still love, still wish him the best, but Austin Meadows, just to show you how some of this stuff shakes out at points in time. Uh, back then, he was given a 65 future value. To this point in his career, he has accumulated 5.9 war, averaging 1.16 war per season. Not great. Not great. Moving up to 2018, and for those that of you that don't know, 
We are the sister podcast of Socks in the Basement. I guess we might actually be the daughter podcast because that one kind of came out first. So I don't know if, if we're the baby podcast or if we're the sister podcast, but there is a Socks podcast. So on this one in 2018, I kind of looked at the White Sox players who were in the top 100 in comparison to the Pirates players and not really comparing, but just to give everybody kind of an idea. At the time, Aloy Jimenez was the number three ranked prospect in all of baseball, had a 65 future value. At this point, he has a 5.4 war. Um, and per season, that breaks down to 1.08 war per season uh, a guy who has really started to pick it up at number 27 is Luis Robert he was a 55 future value at the time uh, he is 11.6 war so far in his career 2.9 war per season uh, a guy that I kind of skipped over just because like, uh, uh, he's actually going to be 24 but you'll see why because it's like two pitchers I wanted to put together but at number 34, Cabrian Hayes came in at a 55 future value. That is 9.9 war over his career, 3.22 war per season. Very consistent for Cabrian Hayes. And the two guys that I put together coming in at number 24 was Michael Kopech with a 55 future value. He has accumulated 1.9 war so far in his career. Good for 0.47 war per season. Not great. Not great. At number 38, Mitch Keller, also a 55 future value. 7.5 war for his career. 1.86 war per season. And we are seeing that start to climb. And hopefully it continues to climb. And let's add an extension onto that just to make Pirates fans happy at this point in time would make me very happy. And then in 2020, because really once you get past that, you don't really get to see a whole lot of a player to try to see like how that future value is breaking out at this point in time. But I got some, uh, some pretty interesting ones uh, for you guys at this point. Uh, number six is Jared Kalenic. He is, was a 60 future value at that point in time, a 0 0.7 war for his career, 0 0.59 per season. Cabrian Hayes bumped up from uh, number 34 to number 15 in between those couple of years, saw his future value go up to 60. Once again, he's 9.9 .9 war for his career, 3.22 uh, per season, very consistent. And then number 17, Andrew Vaughn, going back to the White Sox, first baseman for the White Sox, a 60 future value at that point in time. So far, he has accumulated negative 0.6 war on his career, averaging negative 0.2 war per season not very good and pirates fans want to trade for him
So getting to my votes of confidence, what this has all been building up towards, I guess, you know, throughout this. And a lot of times for me, like the confidence, it also goes along with where the player is uh, within the Pirate Systems. The guys that are higher up usually get uh, a little bit more of a, a confidence rating from me as opposed to a lower one. So for me, the guys that I'm, you know, most confident in should be no surprise. Skeens, Jones, Solomito, Jackson Wolf, uh, another player that was acquired from the Padres uh, in the deal that I spoke about previously, Bubba Chandler, and Mike Burrows, if healthy. Moving on to the middle ground, some guys that I'm kind of wavering back and forth on from time to time. Little bit of surprise at the top with Tamar Johnson. Moving on to Thomas Harrington, Sung Che Chang, and Mitch Jeb. I know Mitch Jeb is lower, does come with some pedigree. Ashcraft and, uh, and Chang are two guys that we should see this season or, you know, towards the beginning of next season, especially with Chang, depending on the level, but we have seen them added to the 40 man. And the other guys, I couldn't put not confident, but I kind of did. I put not confident, but hopeful. And these guys are Jordani De Los Santos, Young uh, Shook Shim, Jack Brannigan, Hunter Barco, and the trio of young pitchers, Michael Kennedy, Owen Kellington, and Xander Muth. I... Uh, in the upcoming episodes here, I'm looking that I probably will start to look at uh, players that have been linked to the Pirates uh, during this upcoming international signing period. May do a little bit more of a breakdown once we find out more about you know some of the players that were signed later on in the period that just ended today on December 15th. Uh, but Definitely going to have to start looking towards that as that opens about a month from today. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. Let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. Was super busy, didn't get to drink a ton of uh, Christmas ales here. I had uh, two left over in the six pack that I had bought. Oh God, before I went to uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's for Thanksgiving. So we're going to get a couple of Christmas ales here and then a couple of beers that got stuck somehow in the back of a fairly empty garage beer fridge. But they got lost. Uh, one of them is one that I had uh, over the summer. I and it was bought by the same brother-in-law who you know brought you the the uh, Thanksgiving episode of uh, Brews from Minor League News and Brews. Uh, but he had bought it for us when we were down in Tennessee. And the last one is an Oktoberfest that I must have lost track of. So first off, the beer that my brother bought me, it is from Native American Brewing. It is a Sunrise Hard Vanilla Spiced Ale. And this one is kind of a mix between a, a spiced ale and like a hard seltzer. 
uh, because the way they described it was like a club soda, which it actually was, and it was quite delicious, but there was that fizz to it, which was kind of weird to me, but it came in at 5%, and I actually really liked it for what it was. So this one is actually going to go uh, upwards in the, the Woba, because it's not a, a thing that I would normally drink, a beer, I guess, that I would normally drink, or a hard cream soda beer i gave this one a 350 knocked that up to 400 the next one was the lost oktoberfest from goose island coming in at 5.7 percent give that one a 425 knock it down to 375 the six pack the two that were left from the first uh christmas ale six pack that i picked up we have the Shiner Holiday Cheer, which is a holiday ale mixed with peaches and pecans or pecans or however you pronounce that word. Give that one a 375, knock it down to 325, only 5.4%. Not a real big fan of the mix of the peaches and the pecans. Like I said, a lot of these Christmas sales sometimes will get a little bit, I don't know, let's get weird, I guess it would be. Um, some of them I really like, some of them, you know, are combinations I could kind of do without, at least it's the, not the ones where I'm basically tasting a, uh, a holiday candle where it's just like basically a punch in the face of nutmeg. Uh, but that one was pretty good. And this last one, I mean, I've had a billion times. It's the old reliable. Uh, if you go to like a Permanis around here, I'm trying to think of a couple other places that may not have, a lot of craft beers on tap but the one thing they always will have i mean it's usually around the same price as like the icy lights and stuff so you can usually get a tall like a 22 23 ounce of this and that's samuel adams winter lager 5.6 percent this one <laughs> i could just drink this one all day i uh, but it's usually like that old reliable one you go to I give that one a 400, knock it down to 350. And like I said, probably going to start looking at uh, some of the international players. May look at, you know, some of the minor league signings from the Pirates more in depth. Mention them with Chris on Bucks in the Basement, but may do a little bit more of a deep dive on some of those in the upcoming weeks. But I will be back next week and hope you guys have a good one until then.